Do you know what it's like to be on the bill and to play for 15 minutes and the only people there to see you are the other bands and their girlfriends? From Buffalo, New York, it's the Struggle is Real Buffalo Music Podcast. Welcome to the Struggle is Real Buffalo Music Podcast, where we dive into the history of the Buffalo music scene. Hey, how's it going? I'm Cassidy Duan, and I'm also diving, delving. Yeah, delving. Jumping in. Yeah, and I'm Ryan Gurnett, and at 39, I've discovered that when my fingers get injured from playing instruments, I can fix it with super glue. I've heard of that trick. The MacGyver duct tape trick usually works for most of my problems. Neosporin has lied to us. Neosporin is a lie, yeah. Yes. So welcome. This is episode number 77 of the Struggle is Real Buffalo Music Podcast. Holy. Nice. We'll be talking with producer, engineer, musician, uh, educator. He's got a long list. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll never... I'll never get him get it all right. Uh, his name's Armand Petri. Uh, Armand produced, uh, well, worked on uh, five different Goo Goo Dolls albums, uh, starting with Jed and going forward. He worked with Ten Thousand Maniacs. He managed the band Sixpence None the Richer, and he is a music industry professor at SUNY Fredonia. Yeah, so he has all sorts of stuff to talk about. Um, we're also going to be playing music from Molly Conrad, 77 Stone, and Yellow Jack. Um, 77 Stone on the 77th episode. Playing a song called 77. No, shoot. And that's all coincidental. I just, uh, actually, all three of those artists are ones that I heard from Band Together Buffalo that I really wanted to get on here. These connections are great. Yes. But we have a lot to talk about today. So let's get into this. But Diving first, <gasps> wait a minute. The struggle is real was featured in uh, Buffalo Magazine recently. Um, you mentioned? Yeah, we got there was an article about uh, local podcasts to listen to, and they named us one of them. And I very much appreciate the thought and sentiment that went into asking me to be a part of this. But they were supposed to fact check with me, and they didn't. And it's we, good and it's bad. What it what it what happened? So it said my birth. It said I graduated college in two thousand eight. That's four years off. Four years older or younger? That was younger. That's so, kind of nice. Maybe I'll they were trying that. to flatter you. Oh, just wait. Armand thinks I'm in my late twenties. That's my favorite part of the interview. Your late twenties. Yeah, I'll take that. So uh, they got that, and that's not a big deal. I'm fine with that. But they said that I had expanded the Buffalo Infringement Festival to six venues. And Yikes. That, yeah. Um, so what was it? You'd expanded your own personal? Yes. I said Struggling Productions is now working with six different venues, <sighs> and they got it wrong, and they didn't fact check it. And Infringement has had hundreds of venues over the years. In past years, we've had anywhere between like 50 and 70 and i have nothing to do with expanding them like we're actually, during covid times but still heck more than six yes yes like over an 11 day festival absolutely so this year I'm, I'm doing some of the venue work because our venue guy is a little overwhelmed with his personal life and that's fine but in previous years i had nothing to do with the giant numbers we had right and so it wasn't even your accolade that they were trying to yeah and that's what upset me like the, the the number of venues wrong is one thing but giving me credit for work i didn't do really makes me upset like that so Geez, Buffalo Magazine. Very good. Yeah, I mean, to clear the air. Give me a sad trombone sound. I wish I I have a sad thing. Yeah, see? That's sad trombone. That's I mean, right. It sounds more like a trumpet, but it's a trombone. It Let's sounds like a so. noise machine. They're sad, though. Um, I tried stand-up comedy. 
Yeah. Um, I'm I, like, that's my worried kind of excitement. I like the whole pandemic. I was saying, like, we we were still doing able to do music at Milky's for a lot of it, but uh, stand up had been banned for about a year, and I said. When it comes back, I really want to try it. It's something I've always wanted to try. Who and decides which crowds are more dangerous? Should I not even go into that? Oh, we're going to get into that. So on on a Saturday, I told the singer from my band, I'm, I told him what, what, what my plan was. I'm like, because we have band practice on Wednesdays now. And I'm like, as soon as band practice is canceled, I'm going to do some comedy. And then on Monday, we found out our guitar player couldn't make it. And he's like, hey, I guess we're going to Milky's. And I'm like, well, we still should practice with the drummer. And then the drummer... Wednesday morning said I can't make it my arm really hurts because of COVID he's my neighbor so I talked to him and saw him he couldn't move his arm because of the COVID vaccine shot yes. in the arm yes right exactly. he just got a second shot like two days earlier I just think. just to clarify that he doesn't have muscle achiness in his I mean we're all old men he probably does as well but that whiny that, that you're all stop. whiny yeah yeah we are <laughs> No, so no. anyway, did you whine on stage? I did. So at 11 a.m. that morning, I wrote a joke down on a piece of paper for the first time since like fourth grade. <laughs> and I came up, I pulled up a full five minute set. Like I actually hit my time. Like I didn't just go up there and tell three jokes and it was a minute and then I was gone. Right. But oh my God, that crowd is brutal. Like you yeah. go to open mic music and unless you do unless you're really bad like everyone's gonna applaud you usually get some positive response i got some positive response i got some i got some uh some fist bumps and i definitely got some laughs on my jokes some people just got nothing though just crickets do you think do you think it's because that kind of a thing the barrier to entry everyone thinks that they are a comic and everyone has a couple drinks and thinks hey i'll get up there and do that like good for you for for timing out a five minute set i imagine a lot of people get false confidence about that where maybe you know a musician kind of open mic they would not yeah yeah so it was just it was real tense it's just i think it's a lot of comedians and it's a lot of people who've been doing it for a while and so how many people were there in your crowd how did you do personally oh it was last second so i think like my singer for my band showed up for me and that was okay no the room it was like 40 people and like at least 25 of them were the comedians sure which was one of the reasons i think that's a a harder audience and it does it feels more competitive i think than open mic does Sure, it's a little slam poetry-esque no Think about that, hmm. a timed three-minute. I've, I've never been to a poetry oh. slam. I'm sorry. I wish I had some snaps on this soundboard. Oh. Just for the poetry slams, not for you not going yeah. to them. But anyway, I, I, some of my jokes I thought were really good as I had planned, and they, they floundered. So I, 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 started with, I started by making an HPV joke, which is hilarious, right? Huh. You, you don't even need to hear the rest. And then I got, funny already. I got into some political vaccine stuff, and that, oh, no one really wanted to hear that. Then... <laughs> You got to give them what they want to hear and you got to read the room. But being well, that it's your wh- first. What do you think was the topic that got them excited? Dude, I'm ready for it. Go ahead. It was porn. Of course. As soon as I started talking about online porn, the crowd completely warmed up to me. I actually loosened up to talking about it. And kind of the big joke I did was I was comparing the Pornhub algorithm to Wish.com. <laughs> because if you've ever been on Wish.com and you scroll down, Never. sooner or later you're going to see a crack pipe. And you, you don't click on it because you want to buy a crack Is pipe. Is that your personal Wish.com? Yes. Are they just marketing crack pipes toward? Well, there was one crack pipe, and then I click on it because I'm like, this isn't a crack pipe. What is this? I click on it, and like, 
this is a crack pipe. What is this doing here? And then I get out of it. But Wish then thinks like, this guy loves crack pipes. Sure. Now, think about that with porno. Oh, no. And yeah, I'm not going to get into the whole thing. That's but a deep, dark hole you're diving into. Literally. Oh. <laughs> yes. So it was a really cool experience. It was really tense. Uh, I understand why some comedians smell bad because I went through like five shirts that day. No it shit. It would be sweaty. It was, was it scary? Nerve- I'm proud of you. Oh, it was so nerve wracking. Oh my goodness. Like I was shaking going into it. Like it was really, really tense, but I'm really happy I did it. And I have done, we've done some live podcast episodes and things. So I'm, I'm a little used to it. Of like talking. He's in front kind of, people, of a man about town but friends. It was still, it was still, it's tense. Cause right. I'll just, like telling a joke with you and then putting on the podcast is one thing. But when you have 30 people in the Watching, room who are reacting who, live, who, you know, they like you can act like you like any music if you want. It's hard to act like you like comedy. Right. You have to like fake laugh if you think about it. Ooh, and or you if, can like, almost tell or, the difference. You can vibe that too. Exactly. Like even if everyone in the crowd is smiling, you still get that vibe. And I think that's really what the big difference is. So I'd say stand up com- stand up comedy is way harder than music if I had to compare the two. Yeah. But um, I look forward to having a chance to do it again now that I kind of know what you would do it again. Absolutely, absolutely. Now that I kind of know what kind of comedy works and stuff, I know where I can kind of. Apparently, I just need to talk about porno and people will be happy with it, <laughs> which. Well, good I mean, for you, Ryan. Yes. You found your shtick. <laughs> so, no, I just I, I always like challenging myself, and that was that was a great challenge. That is a great so, challenge. I'm really happy I did it. And then um, we're already running long, but I'm going to talk about a bunch of other stuff. We had some past shows. Uh, we had Genesis played Witters last weekend. How'd that go? How'd that go? Genesis was great. Casablanca the God was great. Aisha Green was amazing. I don't know if you've ever heard of her. I knew her name because she was featured on a Chucky Campbell track. Right. And she did some originals and she kind of, she was reading the room and she kind of saw that covers were getting people excited. Mm-hmm. She pulled out You Oughta Know and rocked it. See, because that's a different genre there. That is a hard song to pull off no matter how you do it. And I, what am I in addition to her. But she gave it like a I mean, she, she had her DJ working, but it was, was it was say. very similar, though. And what I really liked about it is, and that you don't always hear if you listen to it like on the radio, is Flea played bass on that from Red Hot right. Chili Peppers, my, my favorite bassist of all time. There you go. And when you have a DJ doing it with that extra bit of bass, sure. and it's just it's all like bass drums and her singing, it was fantastic. It emphasizes the great of it. Oh, my God. So I know she's working on Genesis on some new projects, so keep an eye out for her. That's a um, strange venue for, for that genre, though. Like, yeah, yeah, it was okay. It worked out all Everybody right. did well. Yeah, I mean, you you want to get some locals to come, but it was mostly people coming from Buffalo, so, you know, right. demographics. Sure. So, but no, I was, it, you know, regardless of any of that, it was a great concert. The performances were really good. I, I don't have the names of them. There were two female rappers that I've never seen before, and they were great. And I was even thinking about this before, and it's that, like, I know a lot about local music. I know a little bit about local hip-hop. I'm not kind of sewer by any means, but, like, I can't think of any name local female rapper, but I could come up with 15 guys. Right. So I want to start working on that. So I, I, I talked to him about getting involved with Infringement Festival and contacting me about future shows because I'd love to get them on some like some vehicles of their own see how, and see how they can do. Yeah. So that's something I kind of noticed there and something I kind of want to strive towards. Um, I also had Brookhaven play at Milky's. Oh my God, their fans are insane. How so? Um, 
Well, I, the, I, the, the guitar player pointed out to me because I kind of like gave him a look when I saw the crowd because it was packed beyond. It was it was at capacity, like right. And we turned away about twenty people at the door, and he said three quarters of this band graduated from Niagara Wheatfield. Oh, in there you go. Everyone here is from that graduating class, and they're now of age and hip. Oh ready yeah, to go out. and they probably they spent more than a, like a. They might all still be of, living with mom and dad. It's that, COVID hey, times. Hey. I'm they not, were there. They I'm spent not here to money. Judge. They no, they s- loud? they spent more than the average crowd. They, it wasn't clapping loud. Like it was standing <laughs> ovations. There's that one table next to the glass by the door on the right. They were like pounding the glass like a Love hockey it. game. It Love was it. awesome. I was I was really really excited about that. Uh, we have them coming to Witters on May eighth, and that, but then I'm basically uh, I, I have them coming back to Milky's again in uh, in June or July. They've got another Witters date set up, nice. and I have a fundraiser that we'll be talking about in the future that they're also going to be doing with me in September. I'm really excited to work with them. Their fans are so much fun. Uh, their music was really cool. It's uh, it's emo-y, I, feel, okay. I guess, uh, but it definitely has like a lot of, there's definitely like but a heavy But their Niagara Wheatfield fans follow them to Milky's. Oh yeah, absolutely. Love that. They told me they had to tell half their people not to come just right. because I told them to come early. And th- like I'm setting up and I don't notice anything and I pop my head around the corner where in the room where the pool table is there's 20 people there already to see them who were there before I was there to turn on the sound system awesome that's fantastic um Okay, uh, enough. We need to get to our amazing interview with Armand Petrie. That's true. There's there's other shows to talk about, but there's just not enough time. So uh, the first song we're going to play, and I love this song, and I'm really excited. Um, her name's Molly Conrad. Um, I don't have the exact date. I do have her scheduled to play on a Milky Show with Christina Stock in the future. Uh, she reminds me of, like Jenny Lewis and kind of old Rilo Kylie. Perfect. And this song is called In My Dream There Was a Fire. I absolutely love it. Um, all the bands that you're hearing here today are from uh, the band Together Buffalo and they're all bands that I either that I hadn't heard that song of theirs or I even hadn't heard of the band at all in Molly's case awesome but I'm really excited that uh, I'm really excited to get her involved in things and I think you're all really gonna like this song so we're gonna listen to that and then we'll be talking to Armand Petrie here on the Struggle is Real Buffalo Music Podcast can't wait on westernnewyorkmusic.com in my dream there was a fire Grab the things that you desired I told you not to But you did it And you made it out alive So what's the problem? We both survive
than enough though to answer to the sound of your shuffle completely apart one two three four check your ego at the door We are back here on the Struggle is Real Buffalo Music Podcast. You just heard a great track, In My Dream There Was a Fire, by Molly Conrad, who I discovered from the band together Buffalo, Buffalo Music Showcase. Check out her music online. She's fantastic. And now I am joined by uh, professor, producer, <laughs> musician, band manager, etc., Armand Petrie. Hello. Hey, Armand. Thanks for joining us. I'm happy to be here. So Armand has uh, has worked on, uh, I, I believe it was uh, five Goo Goo Dolls albums yes. from Jed Forward. Um, you produced 10,000 Maniacs. Yep. You worked. You managed Sixpence on the Richer, which we're going to talk about later. Yes. So, um, so you got your start. You were at Fredonia. Yes. And I think you took a year mm -hmm. off with your band and then came back and graduated. Was that how it worked? Wow, that's it. Wow, you've done your research. Yes. Um, I went to I was in the inaugural uh, sound recording uh, class. Really? Yeah. Oh. I hate to say how old I am, but it was still 16 track recording back then. <laughs> and uh, I did take a year off to go on the road with a show band and okay. uh, just always wanted to go on the road. And uh, came back, and my senior project got signed to Arista Records, a heavy metal band called The Rods. Wow. Yeah. You, were, were you expecting that, being in the studio? Because well, we I did were, a senior project, which was an album, and it's terrible. Like, it is <laughs> awful. I was not ready to do it at that point. Well, we were hoping, as, as every band does, they hope it gets signed. And yes, they did get signed uh, to, um, to Arista Records. Called, it was just called The Rods, and uh, that led actually to working with another band called Manowar. I've heard of Manowar. Oh, yeah, and they're still around. They're still going wow. strong. Yeah, Manowar. So, so, so you start with the rods. Yep. So, does then Man of War reach out to you that they want to work with you, or do you have to get a hold of them? They they reached out to me. Um, the drummer Carl Kennedy of the Rods was actually supposed to be the original drummer for Man of War, and so okay. he recommended that I come in and, and do the sessions. So that just led into a whole thing in um, in the area of doing 
a lot of rock and metal bands. So that's great. Uh, was there a particular studio you were working out of most often than not, or was it kind of all over the area? It was kind of all over. Uh, in Rochester, I really liked PCI Recording because they they had an, a reverb plate. Ooh, oh, you know, back then my. that was exciting. And uh, but I mostly use Mark Recording Studio and Trackmaster. Okay, cool. Yeah, I uh, I mean I graduated in two thousand four, and I still my first semester was two inch reel, so I, oh, I understand. Great. Yeah, like like you've got your two reverb tanks, and that's it. Yep. So you have to figure out what gets reverb and what doesn't. And it was, uh, it, I think it's a really good way to to, to learn because oh, it just yeah. kind of teaches you how all the pieces work, mm -hmm. and then you get to the computer and it's like this is super easy. It's almost like going from an acoustic guitar to an electric guitar. Yeah. You play it up, and it's like these notes are way easier. This is faster. Yeah. So it was it was really interesting because I started I started with the the two inch reel and then we went to ADAT and then we just shot oh, forward I'm into sorry. Pro Tools. I'm sorry, ADAT, the worst recording oh format God, on the it's face terrible. of the earth. I actually have a pile of DAT tapes and I have no idea what's on them and I have no access to a DAT player. So I'm just gonna wait and see, I guess. Yeah. So uh, how'd you get involved with the Goo Goo Dolls? Uh, it's kind of a funny story. Uh, I was. Uh, Living in Buffalo with someone, uh, John Caruso, who was at, okay. at Fredonia. So um, uh, I think Robbie asked me to do the very first record. Oh, and wow. I was kind of like, no, I don't think so. And I recommended John Caruso. Sure. So John did, John did a lot of the record. And he came home and he played, played the, the first track. And he says, oh, here's this called Don't Kick My Ass with a Baseball Bat. And I'm uh, like, yeah, yeah. oh, isn't that cute? That's a really cute song. Then he played Torn Apart. And my jaw dropped, and I went, oh, my God, that is one of the best songs I have ever heard. A minute and 40 mm -hmm. second, 47 seconds of pure, raw emotion. And uh, so I had worked with the Splat Cats. I had done a couple, like a year later, a year or so later, I'd worked with the Splat Cats. And um, I was kind of going around to remember Dave Olka up at the uh, Record Baron? No, I don't. Oh, Dave That's was Dave. Me. Dave was great. Dave has passed on. He's a wonderful guy. Anyway, I went into his record store and he said, "Hey, I think the Goo Goo Dolls are looking for you. They've really <laughs> messed up their record. They really messed up their record, and they need someone to fix it." Wow! And uh, all of a sudden, I I went down a track mess, and, and Robbie, you know, Robbie in in his younger days was like came rushing and going, "Armand." Armand, Armand, we, we were all drunk and we knocked the drum mics over. We don't know what to do. <laughs> <laughs> and oh. so um, anyway, I ended up working uh, with, I ended up mixing Jed and then doing some additional tracks recording and we got along great. I, they, they, were, they were out of their minds, but they were wonderful. Awesome. And uh, there's actually two unreleased EPs that we did between that and Hold Me Up. Oh, man. Uh, we redid some songs off the first record, which didn't go too well. Okay. Uh, you just can't redo something. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes you can't. You can't make. You can't. Uh, can't create the magic two times. Sometimes. And then they had recorded four new songs, which were uh, "Laughing," "Know What I Mean," "Out of the Red," and "Know My Name." And that's that's. Oh, I have to. Oh, let me. Can I back up a little bit? Oh, this yeah. is one of my favorites. We're okay. all about tangents here. Okay. Um, they were signed to uh, Mercenary Records for the first record, and then they got and then uh, Dean Brown route wanted you know the second record, so he came up, and uh, I played him tracks from Jed. Sure. And he kind of looks over, kind of cocky, and says, "So 
that sounds great, but what does it sound like through the small speakers? And I kind of looked at him very casually and said, those were the small speakers. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. So um, needless to say, uh, Dean Brown did not sign the record because they took it to Metal Blade. It went to Metal Blade um, yep. and our big connection there, Mike Faley. Sure. And Mike uh, signed the band. And uh, so they wanted an EP. So we redid the first four songs off the first record, which didn't do very well. And then they did the other four songs that I mentioned previously. And I said, you're not giving these to Metal Blade as an EP. This is your next album. Yeah. And that's exactly where it, where it went. That's That was the beginning of Hold Me Up, which was uh, June of 1989. Wow. Yeah. And we spent probably, oh, we spent a, almost a year putting putting it together and showing them guys this is how you actually do a record first of all you don't drink <laughs> <laughs> yes yes you don't drink you drink when your part is done yes That's when you can drink yes and then um it was basically just turning them you know into the you know professional the, musicians the soulless pop machine they become oh, oh they'll hear that they'll hear that no i'm just kidding guys anyway, I, well, they won't hear it anyway <laughs> okay anyway uh yeah and then we went in and we started uh may 1994 hold me up and it was it that album took three and a half months to do we mm -hmm. we were really dedicated to it so uh yeah this is a good time awesome so I saw. So I saw you are listed as an additional musician on Superstar Car Wash, amongst yes. other things. Uh, any particular parts in there that you're you're proud of? That's one. I'll, I'll just come out and say that's my favorite Goo Goo Dolls album. I discovered that in eighth grade, and I just fell in love with it. Well, I can say I did a lot of percussion, and there's some other parts that I have to be quiet about, which are on Superstar Car Wash and Hold Me uh, and um, Boy Named Goo, but mostly you, percussion. You, and you, you played all the guitar solos, didn't you? No. <laughs> Definitely not. I don't. I don't play like that. Although I did, I, when Johnny used to do his solos at the very beginning, I would just kind of look over at him and said, uh, "Do you need to take out the Mel Bay books again?" Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, being a producer, it's nice. You can, yeah, you can, you can yeah. kind of say oh. what you can really say what you want, right? Oh my gosh, I can say what, but they they give it right back to me. Oh yeah, right back to me when they get in front of the microphones. Oh yeah, I get it. Get it right back. So. It's a really interesting um, word I'm thinking of dynamic they have because they both sing. Yeah. So when you were first started working them with them, I think like Robbie, Robbie was a lead vocalist. Okay. Yes. So how did that work? Kind of moving Johnny kind of into that position. Uh, when we were mixing uh, Jed, John sang two songs. I just said, I think you should sing more. And uh, they actually went to voice lessons, and John took the voice lessons very seriously. Robbie, I don't, th you know, I I still believe to this day, Robbie is is a he's a fantastic singer. Yeah, you listen to Jed, and you listen to the way Robbie works in the track, and his whole method of just approaching a track. I, I did a song for a movie called um, Johnny Gruesome. Oh, yeah. And I rewrote the t and I had I asked Robbie to sing it because I figured, I figured Robbie was going to nail it. Yeah, you know, he's good. Robbie's a good singer. Anyway, how how the change came was I just kind of said, well, I think John should sing more. And John went to voice lessons, took it very seriously, and then we just started. I mean, literally, if you I think if you look at Hold Me Up, it's exactly divided. Even with one song, they split it. <laughs> <laughs> The, like where that. are you and what's on whatever that name of that song is um 
a little thing about doing the demo for that. Uh, I can't even remember the titles of these songs. Where are you and what's on your mind? Whatever that song is. Uh, we were doing the demo for it. And the course originally started. It's called Hey. That's it. Okay. Uh, it sounded like a country western song. They were going, Hey, what's on your mind? Oh, my hey. goodness. And I stopped the machine and I said, You, you, you guys are yeah, you're kidding, no, right? No. You're, you're trying. And they're like, No, 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 no. So here's how, here's how the big transition happened. Uh, I, they came in the studio and I went, Well, let's build off of that guitar thing and let's go like, like, you know, it could be a call and answer thing. And they were like, Oh, that's great. That's great. That's great. (laughs) And that's kind of how we built our rapport. That's really And I think they were, they were very trusting after that. And that's how kind of the, the, how hold me up progressed. Sure. Now, were you engineering these albums too, or just producing? I was engineering and producing. Now Mike sack ended up doing a lot of the engineering on, on, uh, on, uh, hold me up. Uh, I think I mixed a lot of it though. Okay. But yeah, I was mostly producing and, and, uh, Mike was engineering. So now the one thing I'm, I'm always curious about, there is, there's that signature Goo Goo Dolls guitar sound. Yes. And you can hear it anywhere and you know what it is. Mm-hmm. What, like, what's the, what's the formula for that? Is it just the guitar and the amp? Is there something else you're doing in there or? It starts out with Johnny's fingers. Okay. That's where it starts. It really does. It starts with his fingers. So does he play differently then? or He just had, every guitar player has a signature way in which they hold the strings and strike the guitar. Oh, sure. Absolutely. And, that's, and it starts there. And uh, we spend a lot of time on, <laughs> on getting guitar sounds. And I think for Hold Me Up, just before we went into the studio to do the record, uh, all their equipment got stolen. So we ended up using my drum kit. Jeez. And... Uh, a local guy, Chuck Root, uh, gave us lent us his Marshall amp. Oh wow! And that was uh, and that was mostly the the guitar sound. And Johnny had, I think, one guitar. Did Johnny was other. Johnny using a Marshall amp before that? Yes. Okay. He was. If that yes. was a, if that was a whole big switch, that would have yeah. been something. No, he but. he was he was using a Marshall amp. That's awesome. Now, uh, for we are the normal. Uh, did you get to hang out with Paul Westerberg at all? No. Ah. Uh, we <laughs> sent those songs out to Paul, and I think actually we are the normal. He was actually writing another song, and he just it, we are the norm. What 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 became we are the normal just happened to be on the cassette tape, <laughs> <laughs> and he wrote lyrics to it. I I have to say. I wasn't real happy with it. I think lyrically, it's not what they're about. I'll give you that. I think. Yeah. I think. It, I think it's a good single because I think it's ear catching because mm-hmm. that that chorus will get in your head yeah. if you listen to it. But no, I can definitely see how the lyrics are are a little bit shallow in that. Yeah, it's just kind of existential, and we are the normally living, you die. There's no reason why, and and to me, that's not what they're about. <laughs> that Google dolls enjoy themselves. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So I'm gonna I'm gonna make a drastic shift now because. Okay. Time is of the essence. All right. So um, you also produced 10,000 Maniacs. Yeah, for a long, long time. And we're actually starting a new record in June. No way. So you can hear it, folks. We're starting a new record in June. We found a cassette tape of Rob Buck, because Rob passed away about 20 years ago. And we found a cassette tape of a great song of Rob's. I, I hope I hope they won't get mad at me advertising this, but it is 40th anniversary, and we're really going to... Uh, we're really going for it here. That's amazing. Yeah. So when did you first see 10,000 Maniacs? How did that all come together? Actually through John Lombardo. 
Uh, John uh, was in a band called The Billups, and I did their record. Mm -hmm. And then he teamed up with Mary Ramsey, and we did two records for Ryko Disc. Oh, wow. And I actually had, when when we were doing, when we did the first record, I went to John and I said, so I want to call Dennis Drew and throw my hat in the ring for producing their next record, which was Our Time in Eden. So um, I called Great Dennis. Record, by the way. Oh, I love that record. So I called Dennis uh, Stockton Galladay's, okay. by far one of the greatest songs they've ever done. So anyway, I, I contacted Dennis and he, I said, I want to throw my hat in the ring for the producer. And he, he kind of laughed. He, and I went, and I went, oh, no. And he goes, I'm not laughing at you. He says, he says we're looking at George Martin and oh, people like wow. that. But he said, hey, come down to the rehearsals in Jamestown. You never know what's going to happen. Sure. And to make a long story short, I ended up doing B-sides for the uh, Candy Everybody Wants. Yeah, and yeah. Um, uh, some of the tracks on Unplugged. Oh, wow. And then when Natalie left the band, they brought me in to start, engi- you know, engineering and everything. And then um, John and Mary joined and it just and we did we've done four records so far. Was it was it hard keeping up the momentum after Natalie left? No, the guys were really enthusiastic. Oh, that's great. Uh, yeah, it's 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 an amazing dynamic with them because uh, you've got four individual musicians that make up one sound yeah and it's really it's it's ama- it's really something to see how those guys work so and then in my opinion mary thrown into the mix with her with her viola playing oh, and, yeah and of course john there doing his thing it, it's a uh, it's great love yeah. it yeah those guys are fantastic if you get a chance to see them locally and you haven't seen Ten Thousand maniacs yet you need to get on that definitely i caught them at edge fest 97 at melody fair Wow. It was with Space Hog and the Mighty Mighty Boss Tones. Wow. I'm aging myself. I feel like I'm just, I feel like my hair is getting gray just as I sit here mentioning that. It is. (laughs) Mine's white, though, you know, so whatever. So, what was your, what was your favorite song that you worked on for 10,000 Maniacs then? Uh, So many. Um, There's a song on, the earth press flat record called once a city i really love that song and basically in my opinion anything mary does (laughs) i love (laughs) so one of the things i kind of talk about talked about with Ten Thousand maniacs they misunderstood my question which is really frustrating was you know i use rem as as an example they got signed to a record label because they had radio free europe Mm -hmm. and then they kind of released they weren't very popular records after that. It took mm-hmm. them a few albums to get kind of mm-hmm. get their foothold. And that doesn't really seem to happen anymore. These like ideas of these like long-term growing, oh. evolving. Yeah. That ended in the nineties. Yeah. How do you think that affects like what we're hearing today? Um, I think it actually is kind of more freedom. You don't have to worry about making a, as particularly with the Maniacs, we don't have to worry about doing a hit single mm-hmm. and all that kind of thing. They're they're producing music for an audience that they've already had, or they already have, and we're just going to do what we want. If you're a new and upcoming band, it's tough. It's definitely tough, but you don't have the restrictions uh, that were around before in the old days. Oh, of sure. having to get it to a record company and all that kind of stuff. You put it up yourself, and if you're great at promotion... You'll get known. Look at Psy, Gundam style. <laughs> Four billion hits. Oh, man. If that so can get it, 4 billion hits, I just feel like I'm doing something wrong. Just 
all promotion. Yeah, it's all getting it, it's all getting it out there. But and excuse me, I think some sometimes if if a band has a foothold already. Now getting back to the Goo Goo Dolls. Yeah. They've been around for thirty years. Oh yeah, I've seen I've seen the footage of them from the Continental in like eighty two. I want to say so that's I, almost forty. I, I took that footage. How <laughs> I took some of that. footage. I'm not gonna lie. I yeah. use that footage to show people that, and uh, you might disagree with me. I'm like, look, it's okay to suck. It's, it's it, like like everyone kind of starts somewhere, and those are those are noisy, noisy sets, and it's not the Goo Goo Dolls, you know. And I'm not saying they're necessarily terrible, but when you see where they started and where they began, oh, it shows no, you the there's growth. There's no doubt about it. Oh, okay. No, they, 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 I just oh, want to make sure we agree. No I don't want to insult no, anyone. No, 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 no. They, they, there was quite a change there, uh, but. Uh, is it? I, I don't know if it's the fact that I mean they did they were huge they had huge singles but they never became like a household name, so all the bands that were bigger than them in the early nineties that were sure. huge are footnotes now, and they're oh, yeah. and they're still going strong. I, I'm it's amazing. I'm, I'm always amazed at the music that's managed to last from like the nineties mm-hmm. until now. Mm-hmm. Like I never thought there'd be an army of people still into Blink One Eighty Two, but. Yeah, I would not either. Here we are. <laughs> like, they're still around? What? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, Island Def Jam sent me up to work with Sum 41 to work with their songs. And I was just kind of like, I call, it was Louis Largent. And I, sure. I said, Louis, just leave it alone. <laughs> <laughs> it is what it is. You'll sell yeah. millions. Get it out now. Yeah, they, they will. <laughs> So um, we're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to come back, and we're going to talk about artist management a bit. Okay. So uh, next up, we are going to play a quick track, uh, be it that this is the 77th episode of The Struggle is Real. This happened by complete coincidence. We have a song by 77 Stone that is titled 77. So we're going to listen to that, and we'll be right back with more of Armand Petrie here on The Struggle is Real Buffalo Music Podcast on westernnewyorkmusic.com.
And we're back here on the Struggle is Real Buffalo Music Podcast for our 77th episode. That was 77 Stone playing 77. And we're back with Armand Petrie. Um, so uh, for the second half, I wanted to talk about um, you You managed uh, Sixpence None the Richer. Yeah, and produced their records, too. Sure. So did both. how did you move from production into uh, management? Like um, it's very interesting. I, I went and did their... I, I produced their first record in... Um, Elgin, Illinois, terrible studio called the Sonic Temple. No windows, nothing. Oh, it's terrible. Anyway, I didn't want to edit the record there, so I brought it back to this very interesting story. So I brought it back to Buffalo, and mm-hmm. I was in this. I was a track master editing, sure. and Artie Quitshaw from the Town Ballroom opened the door. He said, "Armand, who is that?" I went, uh, "A band I just did, Sixpence on the Richer. They're a couple of teenagers from uh, from uh, New Braunfels, Texas." He said. Armand, manage them. They'll be huge. <laughs> That's it. That's how it happened. Really? <laughs> and so I said, I don't know anything about management. He says, ah, you'll figure it out. So essentially how it happened was uh, I went to the record company, Sixpence's record company. Uh, and this was at the same time with the Maniacs. This is all sure. going on at the same time with the rebirth of the Maniacs with with Mary and John and uh, I was talking to the record company I said well maniacs are going on tour they're going on tour as, as Rob Jerry Dennis Steve John and Mary they, <laughs> not you can't use 10,000 yeah. maniacs yet and uh gee you know I was they hadn't signed the management contract yet mm-hmm. they had it for like 3 months Oh, and geez, I said, that make me crazy. Oh, yeah. And uh, they were hemming and hawing, particularly Matt. And I, I said, uh, boy, wouldn't it be kind of cool if Sixpence opened for the, for the Maniacs? <laughs> and the record company guy said, I don't know. They, they might be too young. And we sat and thought for a minute. I went, no, they're opening. Yeah. <laughs> I called Dennis, and he's like, oh, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, they can open for us. So I called, um, I called Matt, and I said, uh, so are you signing that management contract? And he says, well, looking at my friend down here in Texas to, to do it. I said, would you like to open for 10,000 Maniacs? He was silent. He went, yeah. I went, sign the management contract. <laughs> wow. And um, That's a power move right there, I got to say. <laughs> and, I give you credit for that. And then Lee uh, Bingham, this uh, singer, she, she was 17 at the time. And uh, so I said, hey, Lee, you're going to go on tour and open for 10,000 Maniacs. She goes, oh, thank God. I went... <laughs> Why? She says, I haven't got a date for my prom yet. <laughs> wow. So they did. They uh, they signed the management contract when we were on the road with the Maniacs. And uh, they, I brought 100 CDs. There were four dates. I brought 100 CDs with me of Sixpence. I figured I'd sell maybe half of them. We sold out the first night. Oh, I know. I believe that completely. I, I, I was stunned. And so they went over great. And, and that's, that's how I got into band management. Wow, that's wild. So, um, so you produced the albums. Did you? Now, I know a few other hits were covers. Did yes. you kind of have any input into what songs they were going to be doing or anything like that? Um, I mostly worked on the original material. We did do an EP where there are covers. Because I know there's the the, I know the the cover of There She Goes was huge. Right. I and, was out of the picture by then. Okay, because I was going to say, that, that that's a deep dive as far as finding songs. Go. I was really stunned when they did it. Um, I I bugged them. I, we discussed for ages about doing Dancing Queen by ABBA. Ooh. And then they, well, they ended, it ended up being uh, the the ending track of a movie called Dick. 
Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. with uh, Kristen Dunst. Guts, yeah. Yeah, 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 that was a good it, movie. It, actually, it, it was the. Um, it's it's not a porno. It's about it's Richard a, Nixon. It's, <laughs> it's it's really funny, actually. It's a good movie, and it was the um, it was the uh, run out, you know, the track over the credits. Oh, Dancing man. Queen. He did a great really job cool. on it. Yeah. So now, if if you were looking for a band to manage, mm-hmm. and you came into the room with my band, mm-hmm. let's say for an example, what are the first questions you, you're asking? I would be, I would have to. There wouldn't be any questions. I'd probably have to work with you a little bit. Sure. And then see how the chemistry would be, and then it would just kind of be, you know, okay, let's talk about management and all that. Matt and I, Matt from Sixpence, the the main songwriter, we we both loved a group called XTC. Oh yeah. And we just had a lot of the same musical musical um, camaraderie. Yeah. So and we got along and we teased Lee like crazy. She was we we told her there were in the okay this recording studio the Sonic Temple. Uh, we convinced Lee there was a ghost in there. Oh, during the recording session. So it, it it we just had a blast. We had a lot of fun. That's awesome. Yeah, XTC is amazing. If no yeah. one's listened to them, if you're into like they they might be giants. I think they're a really good comparison. Mm-hmm. And uh, Ballad of Peter Pumpkinhead is one of my like, my ten oh, favorite songs of all time. Yeah, that's uh, that's my Spotify top ten like every year it rolls. Oh. Out. So, um, so you know, I have a lot of a lot of your students are interning with me at Fredonia. I know, and, and it's uh, fantastic. I agree. I am so happy with the way it's been going, and a lot of them want to get into band management, mm-hmm. but. The problem with band management at a local level is there, there doesn't seem to be enough money go, to go around. You know, if oh. a band plays a show, they get $100, the manager gets 20 That's... Oh, it, if you want to be a band manager, make sure you got a bank account. I poured... Um, when, when, when we ended up in the lawsuit with Sixpence, uh, <sighs> I had poured probably twenty dollars to $25,000 of my own money into the band to keep them afloat. Now, uh, was there a plan in place that you'd get paid back for that, like a loan, or was it just kind of more of a friendly kind of... There was an um, intense contract that basically said, you owe me any money that I put out, uh, 20%, but I never took a penny from the band from anything they made because I wanted them to be happy and be able to eat on the road and things like that. Oh, sure. So uh, I basically suspended every th- uh, I, any type of management commission. And I told the band, though, I'm, I'm going to try and get you a major record deal and a major publishing deal and count on it, folks. I'm taking 20%, and I will take 20% in perpetuity when I get you these deals. So sure. I said, be prepared for it. And it, but it ended up in a lawsuit. Oh, it always ends up in a lawsuit. It does. It, it's, it, does. it really does. Um, anytime any any student tells me they want to get into music law, it's like go for it. That's the way to do it. So uh, uh, we've become friends afterward. You know, afterwards. Oh, in God. fact, I think Lee Bingham or Lee Nash yeah. opened for um, Berlin up at the Riff, and we had a great time. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's cool. Oh, and I helped her out. Oh. Okay, here we go again. She's opening. She's opening for Berlin, a duo. She had to at least have sold a hundred CDs after her show. Oh yeah, I, people were just eating it up, and she's the opening act. That's I, I love it when I go and see a show and the opening act just crushes the headliner. Yeah. Those shows are those shows end up being a lot of fun. Oh, so so if I'm going to manage a local band, let's say, mm-hmm. how much money do you think I would have to start with if I'm going to start? It's essentially you don't really have to start with anything. If you, okay, here's the plug: uh, Music Industries Hail Fredonia Records. Yes. If you go to our YouTube site, Hail Fredonia Records, uh, 
we're not spending any money promoting these bands. We're just using, I'm having the students use their uh, intellect and anything that they can think of in order to get these bands promoted. And you really don't have to start with any money, just some good know-how and a YouTube channel and a website. And once the band starts picking up and they start touring, then that's where kind of where the money comes in, where you start right. having to shell out money, uh, maybe to keep the band alive. But uh, there's one thing you cannot get away from is touring, particularly nowadays. You cannot get away from it. You've got to tour, and you're going to play dumps, and you're going to get screwed mm -hmm. over and all that, but you've got to build an audience. Absolutely. It's yeah. still a one-on-one -on -one thing, you know, so, fan base. So then I think... Almost for a local level, then the band manager is basically just a member of the band. Essentially, if you want to think about yes. it that way. Yeah. So that's, uh, I haven't thought about it that way. That's a really good way to think about it. And as a manager, you have to bring something to the band uh, mm -hmm. that they don't have. When I managed Sixpence, A, I produced, I was a producer, but by that time, I also had really great connections yeah, because of the Goo Goo Dolls. Yeah. You know, um, I, for, for all the time that they were out there trying to make it, once they did, people attached my name to them. Yeah. So they said, oh, what, what have you, what have you got? <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, we're running out of time. I did want to ask you one more Goo Goo Dolls question. Did Go you, ahead. Did you know name was going to be the, be that big hit that no. it was? Really? Did you, did you was, think something else off that it, a boy it, named Goo would, would have been It the was hit? the token acoustic song. Of uh, course. There's always a token acoustic song in a Goo record. I really thought Long Way Down was going to be the massive hit yeah. on that record. That was no. the first song they played for me uh, when we wanted to do that, when we wanted to start pre-production on that record. I long, a Long Way Down, I thought, was just phenomenal. Yeah, I remember that was on the Twister soundtrack, it too. Was, so that yeah. got a lot of traction. Yeah, and when Johnny saw the video, I said, so, man, you're on MTV with Twister soundtrack. And the only thing he replied was, there's a flying cow in my video. <laughs> After seeing them live a couple times, I can mm -hmm. picture, I can yeah. just picture the, the tone and the inflection there. Um, so yeah, so um, we, we only have a couple minutes. What what do you want to promote? I know there's the uh, we talked about the dog walk in our right. last episode. Talk about it more, please. Okay, uh, the dog. We started a, a dog walk uh, five years ago. A couple of students in my program decided. Well, it started with um, Institute for Autism Research. Yes, my son has autism. He's been through their oh. program. It worked miracles on him. Uh, and he's great. in college now. And he's doing great. Wow. Uh, we did. I wanted to do something very big. Um, uh, a student came to me and said, oh, you should hear this. This um, woman, Cassandra Kaminsky, she wrote a great, great autism song. And I heard it and I went, oh, my God. I mean, she she nailed it. But I didn't like the way it was produced. <laughs> so I, I did uh, a different arrangement with it. I got Richie English on board and I asked Mary to sing it. And of course, Cassandra, I wanted Cassandra to oh, sing yeah. it. I got Mary. And then John and I were texting each other about film noir. We were both movie fanatics. <laughs> oh, sure. So uh, finally, I called him. I said, hey, I want you to listen to this song. And he said, beautiful song. I love it. He says, want to sing on it? Yes. Wow. And we went in the studio and we did this track. We ended up a record store day they did a show we raised thirty thousand dollars for institute for autism research That's amazing so i said next so the next year came and the students said let's do a dog walk okay we'll see how it goes went great we rate thirty five hundred dollars in profit 
That's fantastic. On the dog walk. And we did it again, Star Paws. And then we did it again, Canine Avengers. And it just kept getting more and more popular. Of course, COVID came for last year. We mm -hmm. had to turn it into a virtual dog walk. And this year, we are on a really good virtual dog walk. It's called Pokey Paws. <laughs> and you can find the donation link for Lend a Paw for Autism 2021. You just pop that into Google search, Lend a Paw for Autism 2021. You click on it. It will take you to a donation page. And for $5, you can put a picture of your precious pet. Oh, yeah. Uh, and we put it on our social media. And if you don't have a pet, you can still donate. Awesome. There's yeah. A, there's a second a second thing for for donations. So awesome. Yeah, I'm going to be getting my dogs involved in that. So every, absolutely, every single cent goes to Institute for Autism Research. It helps out families that can't afford to send them to the Max Out program, and the, and IAR does not squander the money. It goes into either families to bring their students into their Max Out program or um, uh, into their research. That's amazing. As, as someone with a disability himself, I, I, I appreciate your work. You're, I think it's, it's great what you and the entire class is doing with that. And, and once again, for those of you that are looking to be managers or something, find something in your local area that you can identify with and work for them. Do a benefit. You will meet more people and you'll get more oh. people involved in hearing your groups and hearing, you know, your, your artist or you as an artist, that is at this point a great way to do it. You are. That is. You're like, it's like you're reading my mind. No, uh, <laughs> some of the first shows I did were fundraisers. Yeah. And, you know, I got I got Allison Pipitone to play at Mohawk Place. She's awesome. I love Allison. <laughs> Allison's probably not going to play any of other, my <laughs> other venues on like a, mm. on a door deal for a yeah. night. So that was that was my opportunity to work with her. And mm -hmm. I mean, if you that's kind of how I got involved with the whole Fredonia process. So it really shows you how one little thing like that can expand. Yep. But uh, for, for me, one of my things is if I ever if I ever do a really big show and there's like eight bands or more and i'm like i don't know how i'm gonna pay these guys just make it a charity show yeah yeah might as well i mean when you have a show where every band's gonna get like twenty dollars like they're not gonna care let's give it to planned parenthood or for autism or so I, I i'm i still continue to do that every three months and you know the only reason i can get shows into mohawk place right now is mm -hmm. if i do a fundraiser that's yeah. how they let me in so i think that's a great idea i wish more people would be doing things like that uh, anyone that's listening to this out there or knows no know of any artists do it find something that that really means something to you and and help raise the money for, and help raise some money for it every little bit helps absolutely all right anything you want to leave us with Armand? um those of you that are looking to go into the music industry we have a wonderful program at suny fredonia mm -hmm. and uh the nice thing about it is that you actually get hands-on applied learning when you're a senior go to uh hail fredonia records on youtube and you'll see what we do yeah no i'm uh i've been really impressed with um Almost every music industry student I've had. No, it's uh, having their energy and their enthusiasm in here is great. And, uh, you know, like, I'm old-ish. So, like, like, can you do you're Instagram? Are you kidding? You're, you're old-ish? How, how old do you think I am? I thought you were, like, in your 20s. I'm 39. I love that. That is a compliment. Wow. Okay. I think I think my heart just got a little warm, so I appreciate that. <laughs> so, but so like yeah, I don't know. I don't know a lot of things about Instagram or even. Um, I'm having one guy who was formerly an intern stay on. He's going to help me set up. Uh, oh, who's that? Uh, if, oh no, no, we can't mention his name. Oh no, I'll, I'll mention Riley all day. 
Oh, Riley? Uh, yeah, yeah. Riley's awesome. Yeah, Riley helps me run my YouTube page, <laughs> yeah. and um, he's going to come and help me set up a Discord for what we're doing, mm-hmm. and a Twitch page, and yeah, it seems like a lot of the interns are actually hanging around to keep working, and there's a lot of really good experience to be had with he'll what be our, doing He'll be here, our so. webmaster next year. As he should be. Yep. Awesome. Well, Armand, thank you so much for joining us. I my really pleasure. appreciate this. And next up, we have Yellowjack, a band featuring a former Struggle is Real creator. I mean, he's always the creator, I guess. He's still the creator. Yeah. And a, a former host for like the first 20, 25 episodes. Uh, Dennis Reed does a lot of the singing on this. It's before and he my does the time, songwriting. Folks, but I appreciate his struggle. Yeah. He, he helped bring it together. And... Um, so I was in the Lady or the Tiger with him for a while. Uh, that band doesn't seem to really de- be, ah, that band doesn't seem to really be doing too much right now. But he started up Yellow Jack, which is a group that they really focus on sounding like folk groups of like the 1920s. They have like mandolins, and I think there might be some. I was going to say the instrumentation is going to get that vibe. These great harmonies, and they submitted this song for Band Together Buffalo Highway 62, and I really love the video. I thought. Like, you know, when I'm grading the videos, we probably talked about this a little bit. They had so many nods to Buffalo that they just scored them extra points. And no, it that's felt awesome. Like, and, you know, there's, there aren't a whole lot of Buffalo songs, and sometimes they can be cheesy, but uh, I, I really like this. And if you get a chance to check out the video, uh, you can find it at the Band Together Buffalo website. I remember you having me check it out when you'd first been did, exposed did to it? it. Sure did. Sure did. Yeah, it's really fun, isn't it? No, definitely. It definitely has, uh, it has some Bob Dylan elements and some of the things they do. They do, like, the lyrics and the signs. And there's a lot of, like, a apropos. Doctor. COVID throwback weird things oh, yeah, going yeah. Even, on, right? Even when they're playing in the same shot, they're always like really far apart from each other. Yeah. And yeah, there's a plague doctor in there. Absolutely. So check this out. I, this is a really cool song, and uh, we'll be right back here on the Struggle is Real Buffalo Music Podcast on Western New York Music. D- dot com. Grover, Cleveland, and Geronimo are out enjoying a Sunday drive. Take me to the Aerodome, Geronimo, he suddenly did cry. He didn't wait for an answer, he went and took the wheel. The silver arrow spun out on an apple peel. Cholgas begged the mob to let them through on the Highway 
And we are back. That was Highway 62 by Yellowjack. I nice. really love that song. Uh, Yellowjack is one of the bands we have coming to Witters, I want to say in June-ish. That would be a great venue and time of year I think to it's go perfect. listen to yeah, Yellowjack. They're, they're a great, like, like 80 degrees sunny day So that's day a band. Saturday in June. Yes, I want to say June. We'll be getting, I, I think as we get further along and like I can actually talk about sh- things at Milky's before they happen we'll be doing more about pre- uh, upcoming shows sure. which is something we've done in the past that we it's hard stopped. to tease it everyone's optimistic that we're going to be back to a normal concert crowd and so, season but no on the next time we, we, that'll be something we talk about in the next episode we'll talk Absolutely. about the winter schedule going into the summer because there's some really cool stuff on there that I want to tell everyone about in general um, a lot of cool things coming up absolutely so on episode 78 I don't know who the guest is yet but as a part 78 I still can't get over that Not I can't climbing. get over that because I've been on every one like I haven't missed any that's crazy I miss a lot but I'm not, still it's I, like I'm not this I'm not this consistent with anything in my life congratulations like, do we spend a lot of time congratulating you Ryan? Ryan. I feel like we do. Is it as much time as we whine about things, Ryan? I mean, <laughs> I'm not the one congratulating me, so I guess it's really not a complaint against I'm me. I'm just making sure we're balanced. You I know? appreciate that. And speaking of appreciation, I never, I, I should give John Galbo credit at the end of every episode. He does so much. that great editing work because he is as much the heart of what we do is is you and I sitting here talking. Definitely. So I, that's also something I want to make a point of doing is, is making sure we give him all the credit he deserves at the end of the episodes. <laughs> I also want to thank uh, Kenny Holler, who's doing our distribution for us, and uh, Alex Scourin, who's helping with some of Ale- uh, Alexis Scourin, who's helping us with uh, some of our social media. Great. So uh, for episode seventy eight, uh, we're going to start doing a series of interviews from Band Together Buffalo people. That's a um, really great connection. Yeah, as a part of our sponsorship, uh, I promised. Well, I thought I was going to be interviewing like the four winners, right? But I think there was a little communication issue, so now I'm going to be interviewing everyone from the top sixteen who hasn't already been on the podcast. That's All the right. one thing I'm doing because I. How I, many of those top sixteen have? There's a few. Uh, Chucky Campbell, right. Pharaoh. Um, that's all I can think of off the top of my head. There's so some overlapping guests, yeah. Yeah, so we're gonna have a lot of interviews with some really cool bands. Who that's made it a to the good top thing. 16. These so are great problems. There's 77 Stone and Grub and is it Demia? I'm not that? sure how you say that. Yes, but yeah, but yeah, I've yeah, you know what I mean. Print. Um, I'm trying to think. Roy G. Biv was on there. I believe Nietzsche made it. Um, God. Sorry to have you rattle off six. Anyway, folks, but yeah, we will yes. see. So, yeah, come. we're going to start that series with some cool interviews. And Who's first off? Do you know? I have no idea yet. <gasps> so, and then also, I'm going to be playing music from band, more music from Band Together Buffalo. So, like Molly Conrad and 77 Stone, who I hadn't heard really heard their songs before. We're going to be doing that with some more artists and letting people Very know good. about them. And, uh, and, yeah, we'll be talking about upcoming shows. Doing what we do. Yeah, it's going to be a fun Keeping time. Keeping on. Exactly. So stay safe, people. Keep on struggling. And uh, we'll see you next time. Until next time.